The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use the joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Yeah. Hello, this is Cincy Jungle and Matt Minnick's Bengals Chalk Talk. Today, I have got a great guest from the Cincinnati Inquirer, Lindsay Patterson. Lindsay, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. So, uh, happy to have you here. Now, we are getting primed up uh, for the starter free agency. Uh, we have uh, We have been told that they will be active, uh, and obviously we know there's some exciting news coming with the draft, so exciting exciting time to be a Bengals fan to, to see what's going to come out of the next few months and, and where we're going. Uh, but I think first thing is first, uh, A.J. Green. Uh, now, you and I both know, even though the national media might not, that uh, worst-case scenario, he's getting a franchise tag and, and coming back. Uh, what do you think are the odds that the Bengals might actually be able to get something done uh, to to forego the franchise tag uh, in the next week here? You know, the longer it takes, it, it becomes interesting um, for how last season worked. I think for the Bengals, and I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they might franchise tag him, and A.J. Green doesn't want to be franchise tagged. But I know all that all the working will take place next week. I, I think that they're going to franchise tag them. Um, and yeah, a multi-year deal would be good. But to get that multi-year deal, they need to see something from AJ Green. If he would have been able to get on the field last season, and look, some people were calling it selfish by AJ Green. I don't blame him if he didn't feel 100% that he didn't want to get on the field with the way the season was going. But at the same time, I don't blame the Bengals. Um, I think a franchise tag is the best way to go because why not get in a situation? I mean, the best case scenario. They franchise tag him. Yeah, you don't want to fork out that money in a one-year deal. But what if he goes off next year and, and say they do draft Joe Burrell and he has that weapon and wide receiver and A.J. Green and he has a full year, maybe not even a full year, but most of the season to be out on the field to play for another multi-year contract. I think that would be more than likely. But at the moment, I, I, I guess if you looked at percentage-wise, maybe 67%. 60 to 70 percent that they would uh, do a two to three year deal, but but at the moment I think the safe bet is a franchise tag. Yeah, definitely with with the uh, the injuries over the last few years, it's uh, it's it's a big time risk. But you're absolutely right with the numbers that Joe Burrow's receivers put up last year at LSU. Uh, 
Uh, this could be a pretty ridiculous year for AJ if he comes back and, and looks like what he looked like a couple of years ago. So, uh, once again, you know, that'll be the money, uh, as a result of that will be something we'll have to figure out later, but, uh, definitely exciting time to be a Bengals fan for the, for the possibilities. Yeah, I mean, that offensive room, if you just look at it right now, and I'm not even counting Joe Burrow out there, you have a guy like Tyler Boyd who's really shown up in the last two years. Joe Mixon, he went off in the second half of last season. I know the record doesn't show for it, but he was able to put something together on the ground his rookie year and second year. Uh, has really just impressive what he's been able to do just the past two seasons along with Joe Mixon. That's what I'm really focusing on. And, and then Gio Bernard, what he can bring to the offense. I think the tight end room is kind of interesting because I think they're more than likely to walk away from Tyler Eifert. Um, it will be a year for C.J. Uzama to step up and, and be the number one receiver. They're hoping to get more out of Drew Sample last year. That definitely didn't pan out like they wanted to, and injuries were a factor. So I think that's going to be interesting when it comes to playmakers and just even Adam Tate in general. Adam Tate ended the season with an injury, but he was able to step up last season. So there's just several different guys out there that, that I find really interesting in, in the mix with Joe Burrow if they do draft Joe Burrow, which more than likely, I'm going to say that is happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I should. We're going to have a mutiny on our hands if that doesn't happen at this point. So uh, <laughs> but, I would be but, afraid. Uh, I would be afraid. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I don't even know how I'd react. I, you know, I, I think it's like the, uh, the scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark where the guy's head explodes. I, I, <laughs> it's not going to be good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now uh, you mentioned uh, the tight ends, and you know, I, I think. Uh, you know, Uzama was a guy that I think a lot of fans loved him last year. Uh, and he just had a couple drops this year. Maybe wasn't as productive as, as people might have uh, hoped, uh, but neither was the entire offense. Um, but you know, what do you think is a factor after Tyler Eifert, uh, you know, coming back last year, uh, you know, testing the free agent market, coming back? Uh, why do you think he's going to leave this year if he didn't uh, didn't bolt last year? Well, I think last year, I think they didn't miss an opportunity because he was healthy last season. I think that would have been a good time to trade him in October, but, you know, they they kept him for the whole entire season. And the thing with Tyler Everett, why I feel like they're going to move on with him, because of his reps last season, he didn't have a whole lot of reps, and good for him. Um, happy the guy had a full, healthy season. He deserved it. Um, a lot of people gave him a hard time when he was dealing with those injuries, kind of saying he's made a glass, but nobody worked harder. Nobody wanted to be on the field more than he did. And honestly, I hope he gets it you know, a, a long-term deal somewhere else. I just don't think it's going to be in Cincinnati. And, and it could. You know, he could end up coming back on maybe a one-year deal with incentive space to, to play a full season. I just don't think they want to shell out that money for someone that they didn't really put on the field as much as, as you thought they would in a tight end position last season. Yeah, and, and uh, staying healthy this year, maybe that opens up his market. He does have those options. I mean, he certainly – he, he seems like a guy that you want to put on a team where they don't need him, you know, where he's that kind of that that extra guy. He can he can play about the same amount as he played for the Bengals this year, and you know, kind of limited spurts, but then be there when it's important, kind of down the stretch, and be a uh, you know like a second effort kind of kind of guy coming in for for teams. Um, you know, I think looking at uh, the Bengals situation. It's, it's weird that they rested him so much if you're not planning on bringing him back. I mean, like I, I feel like Bernard, uh, Giovanni Bernard was a guy that 
they didn't use nearly as much as I hoped they would have. Uh, I was hoping, and especially with, with the re- situation at receiver during the year, it was, all right, let's put him and mix him on the field together. Uh, but it kind of seemed yeah. like they were letting him get a little healthy too, and, and he's got the extension. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of weird uh, that they would lay off of Eifert if they didn't plan on bringing him back. Yeah, I think kind of with with Gio and Tyler, it was interesting um, because, as you mentioned, they gave Gio that extension last season. And some would say that's kind of more of an insurance policy if they can't get something going with Joe Mixon. But I truly believe that extension for Joe Mixon is in the works, and I wouldn't be more than surprised to see that um, come true before the, the 2020 regular season. And I actually talked to Zach. Taylor about this a couple weeks ago, and I, and I just asked him, I was like, look, do you plan on using Gio more out there with Joe Mixon? Of course, they kind of want to balance that out, and, and I do see that changing with this offense. I think they had to adjust a lot last season. Look, they played a little bit of musical chairs when it comes to their offensive line, and nobody wants to give it credit, But and I kind of hide under a table when I mention it. I think the offensive line started to play better in the second half of the season. Um, they, they did get Cordy Glenn back left tackle, which more than likely going to move on with him, move on without him. But they started to gel a little better. And, yeah, they still have holes and there's some things to fix. But I find it interesting what they're going to be able to do. Um, I really count this year as Zach Taylor's first year with this offense. Um, it'd be great for him to have a guy like Joe Burrow. He's a former quarterback coach, as everyone knows. He's out there calling the plays. And you get a few more playmakers. And a lot of people forget they have two first-round picks coming next year. Um, I know he was injured his rookie season, but get Jonah Williams out there, too, on the left side. And I think that offensive line starts to look a little different. We don't know what they're going to do in free agency. It's going to be really interesting in the next couple weeks, even next week. Um, you know, if we hear any more names or how active they're going to be. I honestly, and, and nobody's a really big fan of this, I think, yeah, be aggressive. But don't be overly aggressive. you got to hit your draft picks because that's where teams get better in the draft. And they've had some bad drafts, and I think you can go back to that 2017 when you, you draft Billy Price and he's on the bench right now. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him in 2020. But as far as offense go, I, I was a little surprised with how little they did use Tyler Eifert last season um, when he was finally healthy. And I think that had a little bit to do with how the record was going. But I think that this opportunity was trading him last season, and they didn't decide to do that. So it'll be interesting where he goes. But I'll say right here, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked up by the New England Patriots and, and he has, you know, a second career with New England. Um, but, you know, they're still kind of deciding what they need over there as far as playmakers and if Tom Brady's coming back or not. Um but I truly root for him. Um, I, I think it's a guy, and as I mentioned, dealt with so many injuries while I was here. Um, I, I hope he gets that contract because he, he definitely deserves it for all the rehabs and, and fighting to get back out there on the field. And I actually talked to him in an interview last October. It was a sit-down interview. It's up on Cincinnati.com, and it was just kind of an in-cue conversation. And we just talked about, like, and I asked him, I said, did you ever think about walking away from the game? And he said, oh, you know, of course, I'm paraphrasing here, but that did run through his mind because it's like, do I want to do the rehab stuff? Do I really want to go back and do this? I mean, this is exhausting. It's hard to, you know, keep doing this over and over again. But he said, look, it's really not that bad. I'm playing in the NFL. You know, it could, could always be worse. So um, just a positive mindset to get back out there and keep doing what he's doing. So I was happy to see him have a healthy season. I just, I think it was a missed opportunity as far as assets they could have received back if they would have traded him last season. Yeah, it would be nice to nice to get something out of that. And, and like you said, you, when you know the season's done, uh, you know, do, do something. And, and, and you know you were coming into a year where you weren't going to have extra draft picks. Um, would would have been nice to see something there. But but yeah, absolutely. Once he's uh, 
once he's gone, I mean, whether he's here or not, you know, we uh, definitely wish him the best and hope we can put together a few healthy years and, and you know, get his career going a little bit. So uh, now you, you mentioned free agency and um, the Bengals have said that they're going to be more, uh, more active. Uh, and Taylor says that he's on the same page with what they need uh, as, as the front office and that they're going to go out and get, get what they need. Um, as you said, you don't want to be maybe too aggressive, uh, but what what do you think that we can uh, expect from free agency this year? I think it's really just going to be interesting. Um, I, I guess I won't believe it until I see it to see where the team is and how active they are in free agency. I know Ian Rappaport of NFL Network was um, was on TV maybe last week just kind of stating, like, look, they're not last in spending free agency. They're, they're actually right in the middle. Um, you know, sometimes they don't go get those big names, and, and you hear all they got. They brought Preston Brown in. They signed A.J. Hawk years ago. Um, people remember some of their pre-agent signers, but they weren't big. They weren't over the top. They didn't spend tons and tons of money um, years ago. Almost, uh, it feels like a decade uh, when they brought in Terrell Owens and, and hoping he would be a difference maker, and that team was terrible um, that year. But he was okay, and it's just, I, I think that they're just a little hesitant on that side. It'll be interesting because I truly believe they do want to spend more money because they have the money to spend and add to it. Um, I think it's a lot of depth pieces. I think it would be great if they could find a playmaker linebacker, and look, that might come in the draft versus in free agency um, out, of depth, out of depth on their offensive line. Um, you know, maybe another playmaker. It'll be interesting to see what route they go. Some would say you want to go cornerback and, and more depth on the secondary side. But I uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't believe it until it happens to see what the team does. I know Duke Tobin talked about it um, at the NFL Combine and, and saying, you know, hey, we're, we're in it. We know it. Um, Fans definitely want them to spend some money, but they're not going to do it just because fans want them to. Um, of course, they want everyone to come back to Paul Brown Stadium, and they want to start winning. I truly believe, and look, this might sound like a hot take, but I, I believe Mike Brown wants, wants to turn things around. I, I believe he wants to win a Super Bowl. The unfortunate thing is it's not working the way he's been He's been trying to put it all together um, over the last 20, 30 years, obviously, they haven't won a playoff game. But I truly believe that Brown family wants to win. They want to bring winning football back to Cincinnati. And I think you see, I'll bring the comparison, I think you see what the Reds are doing, spending $165 million, and they want to win too. So I think the city, you know, is trying to change for the better, trying trying to bring some more wins back. Because it's been a, it's been a long time in Cincinnati sports right now. Yeah, certainly has. And and I think that's something to, to consider, too, is people act like they don't want to win. And, I mean, this is a football family. You know, these are these are Paul Brown's descendants. You know, this, is, this isn't, this uh, is you know, this isn't some stock market guy that, that bought a football team and, and you know, is, is running it real cheap. You know, this is, these are people that, that are really football people. Um, and, you know, they, they want, they definitely want it. And, you know, obviously, uh, as, as with a lot of areas of life, when when you've got the the family lineage, you've got family expectations. You know, there's there's definitely more of a pull on you to to achieve and to uh, you know surpass uh, the achievements of those that, that came before you. So, uh, yeah, they, they're they're going to try. You know, <laughs> they're, they're definitely trying to win a Super Bowl. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, now, you mentioned the uh, defensive-back position. Uh, so uh, uh, Dark Horse Denard is, a, is another person who, like Eifert, uh, tested the market last year. It looked like he was going to Kansas City. Um, He's probably pretty upset that that didn't pan out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he ended up coming back to the Bengals for a year, and now he's hitting the market again. And, you know, much like Eifert, people are talking about him like he's already gone. Uh, he was injured for, for you know, quite a bit of the season. Uh, so why do you think that uh, there's a, this idea that he's going to be gone? Do you think he'll have a better market? Uh, or an opportunity to play outside last year, or, excuse me, uh, out, outside corner, uh, like he didn't last year in free agency, um, or, or you know, what, what's why? What's the rationale that he would leave last year if he didn't? Or, excuse me, leave this year if he didn't last year? <laughs> I think it's going to be like a deja vu of last season. I think that they're going to let him test the free agency and see what happens. I think the Bengals would like to re-sign him because last season, honestly, whenever he got healthy and he was back on the field, the defense looked better. Um, almost like a, he was a quarterback out there in the secondary. I, I think that the Bengals should do that. I think I don't think, you know, going ahead and signing him and, and getting him all to your deal like Darnett, like Dark West and once. I think go ahead and allow him to test it and, and see what happens can kind of do that again. Maybe it's a one-year, maybe two-year, maybe one-year incentive space. Um, it's not what Dark Horse wants to hear. Uh, he's like all the other agents who want a multi-year deal, and I think he would like to stay in Cincinnati, but I think we're going to see a little deja vu from last season. I think it's going to test the market. They're going to see what other teams are offering, and you know, if they want to match it, if they want to pay more, I-, I could see it just kind of being similar to what we saw last year. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of potential for change at that position between, uh, you know, him and uh, Kirkpatrick has been somebody that's been discussed as a potential uh, casualty, a calf casualty, uh, or, you know, potentially somebody they might trade. Um, and William Jackson, uh, I believe going into last year of his contract as well. Um, now, on on the uh, topic of, of Kirkpatrick, though, uh, so Kirkpatrick, again, somebody that's been tossed out uh, as a as a name, he's, he's a pretty high cap number. Uh, was injured uh, quite a bit last year, and um, you know, never really lived up to uh, to to the first round, you know, to the draft slot. Uh, although I think he's been a very good player for the Bengals, uh, just not that that good. <laughs> it's not uh, first round talent, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, production from him. But um, so 
he's a guy uh, you know that's been mentioned. Glenn is a person who's is actually out there. They're trying to trade him. They're going to cut him if they don't. Obviously, uh, a lot of talk about uh, a potential Dalton trade. What do you think is the timeline that we can expect movement on on those sorts of things? That's what I'm keeping an eye on in the next couple of weeks. I mean, as soon as your agency starts on the 18th, I, I see them, you know, getting that done as soon as possible. Um, when it comes to reporting, Glenn, I hear all the time, oh, you need to trade him, you need to get something for him. You don't think the Bengals were on the phone last season trying to get that done when Cordy Glenn was finally healthy when all the concussion stuff was over? I think they tried that, and I think what's interesting is a lot of a lot of other teams are, are watching the Andy Dalton and knowing, like, look, he's, they're, they're going to release him. They're going to be done with his contract. He's going to be available. Um, you know, what do you trade for him? Is a fifth round a good number? I honestly think so. I think around a four or five, it's, it's something that you take. I know a lot of people pointing fingers at him going to Chicago looking at, you know, kind of Mitch Trubisky and having competition when it comes to the starting quarterback role, and that's where Andy Dalton will go. But with Cordy Glenn, I think that stuff is, is really interesting to me because I know when it comes off into line, they're not all out there. And, and even depth in the starting role, look, I think Cordy Glenn could go start for another NFL team and it would be great for them, but I don't know who's waiting for him. I don't know if, if someone, you know, is going to say, I'm going to get this number for Cordy Glenn because he's kind of been a problem, you know, and, and you don't want that in your locker room. And I, I just, I think just wiping your hands free of that and, and getting rid of them is, is what this team is going to do and what they need to do. Um, yeah, he played okay in the second half of the season, but it, it's time to move on from him. I, I think it's interesting where Andrew's going to go in the next couple of weeks. You want to say that's all going to get done in a hurry, um, but it's really unpredictable when all of it will be finished. Uh, they, this this free agency just feels so different for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's not one or two guys. It's major playmakers. And I remember talking to Carlos Dunlap about that towards the end of last season, and, and he said it. The last regular season game, he said, this this team, this locker room is going to look so different next year, and we know that. Um, you know, it's just it's just crazy to think about how different it will look. And, and when it comes to Jeff Kirkpatrick, I think the best thing to do is just is, – is, Say goodbye. <laughs> I think a lot of Bengals fans, that's, that's what they're hoping this team does when it comes to the defensive side. But I think, you know, he's definitely someone who has dealt with plenty of injuries. But I think his time is up when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, so definitely you know, when you think about it that way, it, it makes it a, a real potential uh, for, you know, potentially a huge need uh, at, the, uh, at that position with, with maybe two of those guys going this year. Uh, and and Jackson, you know, a bit uncertain in the future as well. Um, so you, they've got uh, some talent behind with, with Phillips. I think uh, he's kind of the reverse uh, Kirkpatrick, the the fan favorite that uh, people would love to see more of. Um, but you know, still that, that that's one guy, and uh, so I think definitely a, a position that with this year's draft class we could we could see them attacking uh, on day two. Uh, what uh, uh, obviously, we know what they're doing on day one, uh, <laughs> but what what uh, do you think that they might be leaning towards doing uh, in day two and and beyond in the draft? And, and just really just following up for the Kirkpatrick stuff, I mean, they'd save almost eight million a cap space, so I think it's smart to do. I think on day two, that's interesting. At number thirty-three, what they decide to do, I mean, there's several holes with this game, and that's why a lot of people jokingly, and I think there was small, small crowd who said, oh, well, you could trade that number and so you can get several draft picks. No. 
no, you don't do that. I, I've talked to plenty of people around the NFL and just league in general, and they're like, you don't you don't dress up a guy like Joe Burrow. So obviously, they're going to draft him with the number one draft pick, even though nobody said it and, and hasn't come out yet. It will in April. Um, I think I think 33 is so interesting because could look at it and say, hmm, offensive line, add to the offensive line. They could use another starter out there. Oh, cornerback, you know, if you do decide to walk away, you lose guys like Drake Kirkpatrick, you lose guys like Darquez Bernard, and, and what do you do in your secondary? You get a corner there. You know it's a loaded wide receiver draft class. So say, I'm not, they're not going to. I, I truly believe he'll be franchise tagged. Say you walked away from AJ Green get a wide receiver in the third or fourth round and be okay. Um, and as far as playmakers, that isn't my number one concern because I feel like this offense is still loaded even if you lose guys like Tyler Eifert. Um, but I think defense is, is where you go um, at number 33. And some may, may say get a linebacker, get a playmaker there, or, or go to the corner secondary side. Um, that's what I'm leaning towards right now. And they could do anything. Anybody could be on their board. Some may say you get the best player available because there are several holes with this team. But number 33, day two, I think all eyes are on that. What they're going to decide to do because there's no surprise with the first round. Yeah, there's, there's always surprises in the first round, too. You know, there's always something that's going to throw you off guard. And yeah, I've that. heard that's a lot of people talk about Yeah, it, absolutely. And, and people are, I've heard a lot of people talk about trading back and getting more picks. I, I think we we might be overvaluing that slot a little bit, that um, the picks they're going to get in return for, for trading down 10 or 15 picks, you know, it's it's not going to be not going to be more day two picks. Uh, you know, maybe they, maybe they pick up something in the fourth or the fifth or something like that, but um, you're probably not getting the return that's worth it if, if you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's a, there's a corner or a wide receiver that you have ranked as a first-round talent. Um, I don't think you're getting the return pick-wise on that uh, to to trade down. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There's a you know there's going to be somebody there. There's something weird's going to happen because it always does. Um, so it's it, it's exciting because we we get to talk about Burrow for all this time. But then there's going to be that uh, you know that 16 hour you know roughly span where we're going to get to talk about uh, you know what they're going to do with with that pick. Uh, and there's definitely going to be some exciting options. So uh, now we've we've, uh, we've danced around Joe Burrow a little bit. Uh, what uh, what do you think of Burrow? Uh, and and wh- who is your Joe Burrow uh, NFL comp? You know, it's crazy because I tell people this all the time. Every time you hear that top quarterback coming out of college in the NFL draft, the guy's going to get drafted first or in the first round. You you know, all the players, this guy's going to be a game changer, he's going to really do amazing things for this franchise, and I have yet to hear a negative on Joe Burrow. This just feels different. And I talked to other guys, um, Dan Orlovsky, I actually talked to him on the podcast um, about two weeks ago, and, and, I, and I asked him, I said, no, this guy's a real deal. You can be honest on here, a lot of people hyping him up, and he says, you know, there's there's no other comparison. Everyone has told me any national guy, and I'm actually doing pretty heavy series on that in the next couple of weeks with a lot of experts who I really value their opinion, and we're going to talk more about that, because you know what, I'll tell you right now, Matt, everybody loves talking Joe Burrow, so the good news is uh, I'm ready for it uh, with the draft coming up, too. <laughs> 
But I, I just heard his comparison, and, and if you want to listen to the interviews up on the Bengals Beat podcast, um, he compared him. I said, is he, can you compare him to any other guy in the league right now? And he couldn't find that comparison. Um, he did one better. He was comparing him to Steve Young. And I think Bengals fans would take that um, at any moment if, if you could have that. And, and just his other comparisons of, of other football players who they just know how to handle the pressure. Um, you know, it's fair that he's dealing with kind of a similar offensive line as last season, which I don't believe. I do believe they'll get added depth in other starters. And, of course, Jonah Williams will be back out there, and that's going to be a game changer to have a number one draft pick out there with you. Um, but I just the, the, the praise I'm hearing from him nationally is that this guy is going to turn a franchise around. My next question is, how quickly does it happen? You know, I think that the expectations get so high, and, and fans are like, okay, playoffs, let's go. You know, let's get, get us to the playoffs. This guy's going to turn it around. What if he does that in year one? You know, how much time are fans giving him? Um, and I truly believe he, he should get a little time. Um, but he sounds like a guy who's just so smart. He's smart. He can learn any offense. And I think he said something really mature the other day when uh, somebody was comparing him to Tom Brady. He said, don't compare me to him. And I'm paraphrasing this a little bit. And, you know, he wants to do his own self. And I think the national media, everybody read plenty of stories and interviews uh, about, you know, the criticism of Cincinnati. And, and, and Joe never said anything wrong. Um, I think he's handled himself as a mature college football player is about to be in the NFL, and I don't think any of this stuff is going to be a hurdle for him. Uh, but I was waiting for, like, some negatives on him, and, and nobody has yet to tell me that. Um, it has been all praise with what this guy's going to be able to do, and a lot of people are saying he could turn a franchise around. I mean, it's, I'm always a wait and see um, because I've mm-hmm. watched and, and, and covered this franchise for a really long time, and I think, you know, you want I, I see better than I hear. Uh, so, but I, I asked Dan, I said, was it one year for him? Was it one breakout year? I talked to my guys from Pro Football Focus who studied the tape like no other. And then I no, this guy, it, it's not one year. It's not a one-year thing for him, not because of his senior year, just how he was able to adapt to it um, and take it all in and have a historic year at LSU. It's more than that. So I, uh, I'm i going to leave it on right now. <laughs> I think this guy's going to be a game changer, and I think that they know what they had in Andy Dalton. And, and no offense to him, um, you know, at times I do feel like he was unfairly criticized, but you can still criticize the guy. I think they're two different football players, and they know what they have in Andy Dalton. Now everyone knows it's time to move on and, and bring someone else into this franchise, and I think there's nothing better than having a quarterback coach with you as your head coach who will be out there calling plays. I think that's going to be a difference maker for him too. And I know a lot of people wanted uh, Joe Brady to come, but uh, the Carolina Panthers signed him and, and would have been great. I don't think it was all him. I don't, you know, I, I don't think that that's the reason that Joe Burrow had the great year that he had at LSU. Yeah, if he needs Joe Brady, then he shouldn't be the first pick. You know, <laughs> you know no, what I mean? No, uh, not at all. Not at all. Um, and, 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 you know, if even if that was a scenario, if, if – uh, if you bring in Joe Brady and everything goes to plan and all of a sudden he's doing the same stuff in the NFL he was uh, he was in college, Joe Brady would be an NFL head coach in, <laughs> within a year. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so again, you've you got to be thinking about the long term with that stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. I think, uh, you know, I think it's important for people to realize and to think about the fact that, you know, Patrick Mahomes – he sat out a year, first of all, but the the Chiefs went to the playoffs the year before they drafted him. Um, 
the Buffalo Bills went to the playoffs the year before they drafted Josh Allen. You know, the the, the Texans, I don't believe, were a playoff team the, the, the year they took uh, Watson, but they were they won like nine games. So a lot of the a lot of the young success, quick turnaround stories we hear about quarterbacks, they're going to teams that are pretty good already. Um, you know, Jared, Jared Goff's a great example. Jared, Jared Goff, the Rams traded up for the first pick. You know, not a playoff team, uh, but they were they were seven and nine, and then they got the coach, and then they got it going. So, um, so we have to. You're, you're absolutely right. We gotta we gotta pull back our expectations uh, of the timeline a little bit. Uh, but yeah, love the pick. Really, you know, really high expectations for for what he can be. Uh, and what this team can be with him, um, but you know, going from uh, two and twelve to or two and two and fourteen to fourteen and two is uh, <laughs> a pretty pretty tall task. So uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Playoffs this year, we're gonna we're gonna hope they're competing for it, but uh, it, it's uh, you know, it, it might it might take a little bit more time than that. Well, and, and the thing is, and, and the comparison I've made, and I've even actually brought it up to, to Zach Taylor, and, and I think everybody wants to see it as they, they see Kyle Shanahan, you know, a young coach who was out there and he was able to turn things around. It took him a little longer, about three years, but the difference they had, the difference the Niners had, and, and I don't think Jimmy G, I mean, he is what he is. I think a lot of people watched him play and said, hmm, that, that could hold them back a little bit. Their defense is amazing. Um, their their playmakers on defense really make it fun to watch and, and could have almost won them a championship. But I think the difference maker in the Niners' comparison of a turnaround of a franchise is their aggressiveness they have um, from John Lynch at GM, what they're able to do in their front office. I'm not saying, like, the Bengals won't be this year, that, you know, they're saying that they're going to be. They're going to do more in the offseason. They're going to do more when it comes to free agency, which starts next week. But I think that's the biggest difference, and they were able to do that in three years and, and look where they are at. And I think that's a good example for a team that starts out year one with Zach Taylor. But, again, talking around, talking to different guys in the locker room during regular season towards the end when everybody knew it was a, a you know, disappointing season, they all told me, there's a lot happening behind the scenes, and it's good stuff. It's good hmm. stuff what they're trying to do and what the franchise, what the coaches. There is a difference maker. We don't see it every day. And, look, they, they pointed out their record. That's not okay. Nobody was happy with that record. That's their jobs out there. Nobody wanted to lose. But those guys are telling me that the changes that are happening behind the scenes is a good thing. They are believing in what is happening in this turnaround. And, and I truly believe that. I think there are still a lot of differences. I mean, you look at the defense, the second half of the season, what Carlos Dunlapple do. You have guys like Sam Hubbard. Um, I think guys who will be on this team next year and, and able to turn it around and having Lou back a defensive coordinator, I still think that was a good move because um, you want to keep that going. I mean, they put together their staff the latest out of any other NFL team last year because of the Super Bowl. So you finally get year one this year with this coaching staff, and I truly, truly believe that. Uh, you know, the rookie year, it, it was hard to adjust, and, and Zach Taylor did something that no other, that Marvin didn't do when he was here, decided to bench his quarterback. And and I, I know a lot of people said, you know, he did that because of how the season was going. I think he was proven a point um, by starting ranks, and I think he was proven that everyone, hey, this guy isn't going to work either. So, you know, we, we got to do something and end up working out just fine for Zach Taylor. I joked and said he should have won Coach of the Year, but, you know, I said that jokingly. 
um, was the way that turned out to get the number one draft pick. But I do believe there are good things happening behind the scenes. But I know it was still a disappointing season, and fans aren't going to buy into it until they start winning, and I don't blame them at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you want to see you want to see more than what we saw. Uh, but as you said, it, the staff not only did the staff come together later than any other staff in the NFL, but they're all in their in their slot for the first time. Uh, it's a first-time head coach and, and two first-time coordinators. So, you know, if this was a scenario where, uh, you know, the Bengals the Bengals hired Wade Phillips in, in, instead, you know, uh, Phillips, he'd be coming off the Super Bowl as well. Uh, he'd be a little bit behind the eight ball, but he was an NFL head coach. Uh, so he would be able to get things going a little bit faster, be, and he's not, he's not learning on the job like any first-time uh, head coach is. Um, and, and, you know, not to say that that, that was a better hire, but that would be a more immediate hire. You'd see, uh, you'd see what was going on a little bit faster because he's not, he's not learning on the job. So, um, I definitely think that we saw, uh, as we talked about, you know, changes in the offense over the course of the year. And, uh, obviously when they, when they changed up the run game and, and did some different things and were more productive with, uh, with mixing at the end of the year. Um, I, I think it goes a little bit unnoticed, untalked about how much better the the defense was uh, at the end of the year as well. So uh, it's it's not only uh, you know not only Taylor coming in, but all all the assistants and and you know figuring out what the system is going to be uh, on offense and defense, and and you definitely saw those things improve over the course of the year, even though it didn't necessarily have the impact we would have liked to see on the on the scoreboard um so it'll be interesting to see with a full off season what uh what all these guys are capable of and then next year we'll be sitting here talking about hey what's what's gonna be like when they have a full off season to uh, of Joe Burrow in the system, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep using that, using that excuse. Wait till they have a full season. But no, I agree with you. I mean, when you look at how the defense played in the second half of the season, I still can't believe Carlos Dunlap been in the NFL for over a decade now, and it's just like what he was able to do have a breakout second half of the season. There's still a lot of strong guys. Yeah, there's holes. I mean, you look at the linebacker room; they need help. I'm not breaking any news there. I mean, even, they've needed help for over two to three years right now. I mean, even when Vontez Perfect was a part of this team, he wasn't at times, and, and he started to play poorly. Yeah. Um, so I think that room is going to be interesting because if you add some depth in there and you get a playmaker in, in the linebacker room, what's that going to do on the defensive side and, and just adding other pieces through maybe credence or, or maybe it's hitting in the draft, but I think you just got to hit in the draft. Um, and, and that's going to be a difference maker because they have it in a long time. And, and it's mm. time. <laughs> it's time to get some of those picks right. And going to the coaching staff really quickly, I think one of their best additions this offseason um, is is a guy who's who's been on this this coaching staff for a long time. And it's it's Brian Sim- or it's coach Darren Simmons. I said Brian Simmons. I'm thinking of a throwback defensive player. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> having Darren Simmons a part of the staff because look, that guy could have gotten other positions somewhere else. Someone else could be calling him and saying, "We're going to offer you this, and you can get promoted to you know a coordinator or whatever you would like to be." And, and adding him as assistant head coach, assistant to the head coach, and being on the special teams. And then their special teams was was playing amazing last season. And I know it doesn't show because they're. Two and fourteen, but I think he's a guy who a lot of the players believe in um, on that team, and I think that's that's just a great idea and a great promotion for Darren to be a part of this, be a part of the the team next season too. Yeah, yeah, and some real good performances 
out, out of that unit. And I mean, you don't—you got to really be watching uh, to see all the things that happen there, and uh, and, and how big. Just uh, you know, just covering a kickoff, covering a punt, and you know, it doesn't look like anything because nothing happens. Uh, but when they're calling fair catches because because uh, your gunners are getting down there and because they're covering kicks, I mean that that, that stuff is definitely uh, definitely huge. So uh, great to great to have Simmons back. Um, you know, a- absolutely lucky to uh, to have been able to to keep him around for for as long as they have. So um, and Brandon Wilson, oh. I mean, a guy that he got the most out of last season. Unfortunately, went down with an injury. Could have been a pro bowler probably. Um, mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. able to do on the special team side, and, and you don't do that without a coach like Darren Simmons. Darren Simmons definitely brings out the best in a lot of those guys, and I just think that was a really good off-season move. Um, make sure you get that extension in there for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on the uh, on the linebacker front, right? I feel like it's tough to you talk about hitting the draft and and you got to hit, but like you said, with with where this team is at with their needs, you just got to take the best player. So um, it, it's it's a, it's a crapshoot, uh, you know, to to hope that a that a linebacker falls to them at the right spot. That's a spot I I wouldn't mind seeing them spend some money at in free agency. I, I think that. Like you talked about, you know, it's probably more of a Niners type of transition. It's going to be, you know, a couple of years. I don't think it's it's smart to go off and and sign, you know, a, a very high end, you know, cornerback or something that's that's going to cost a lot of money. Cornerback's uh, a bad example because you know their their market isn't isn't that ridiculous. But like to spend a ton of money on a top level free agent, um, that's really more of an icing on the cake kind of piece. Um, but I think that like a Corey Littleton, you know, for 15 million, you know, that's, that's a, that's a spicy meatball, right? That's, <laughs> that's a good amount of money. But, um, you know, I think it, because it's, because it's targeted, I, I think it makes sense. I don't think it's a, it's not a capping piece. It's a, this is a fundamental piece and something we need to move forward so we don't have to address it in the draft. Um, I think that's where. Really- so, well, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think that that's where that's where you get your free agent playmaker, and that's what that room you look in. You look in the linebacker room with this team, and look, I mean, they're not they weren't hot picks, they weren't great signings. As you look back on it, example, Preston Brown, that didn't turn out like they wanted to. Um, the good news is, I, I do think, and I know the way it looked last season, the way it looked the last couple seasons. I know he dealt with an injury in 2018, but he came back last year and he, and he played okay. Um, the second half of the season was Nick Vigil. I think they're going to allow him to test the market, similar to Jarquez Denard, but I think they're going to re-sign him if he doesn't get an offer anywhere else, obviously. And it's not a depth piece. I don't think he's going to be their best linebacker next season. I do truly believe that's where you can find him in free agency, and you have some money to spend. Um, so I think that's where, if you're looking for a playmaker, that's what you do in free agency. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then uh, the other uh, big area people have talked about is is guard. Uh, some people are talking about tackle. I I really think, and, and you you mentioned earlier that the offensive line got better. I think uh, I think they like Bobby Hart a lot more than the fans necessarily like Bobby Hart. So I don't think right uh, tackle is necessarily a priority. But um, I could certainly see an addition coming in. Uh, either, either right or left guard to, to compete with some of the guys they've got in there. I know a lot of people, their dream, their dream wish is uh, 
bring an angel because he doesn't get to sign with the Rams and, and moving him over to the right side because you got Jonah on the left. So that's mm. going to be interesting. <laughs> and I agree with Bobby Hart. I, I agree. I think that they like him more than a lot of people see. Um, I, I still think there's going to be some weakness on their offensive line in 2020, but the good news, I think what makes up for it, again, I've mentioned it over and over, you got a guy like Jonah Williams and the other one, Jonah. Mm-hmm. You got Jonah, you got, you got I said Jonah, Joe Burrow. <laughs> That's who I meant. <laughs> you have Joe Burrow behind him, and then Trey Hopkins. Um, what that guy was able to do and really kind of try to create some chemistry um, and consistency, we saw that at the center positions why Billy Price is on the bench. I think that's one of the positives because you have a, a vet like Trey there and you have him coming in with a guy like Joe Burrow, and I think that's going to be the difference maker, even for a rookie with Jonah Williams on the other side. Um, when, when you look at the right side of the offensive line, it, it will be interesting if they, if they choose to stay with the guys they have or that they'll end for agency or the NFL draft. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, Jonah is a—it's an underrated thing, you know. It's—it's it's, hey, we got this guy coming back, and and he was uh, a guy a lot of people had as the as their top tackle in the draft last year. So could you know a huge addition, quote unquote, uh, coming in. So you know they've 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 got they got Jonah. We're we're adding Joe Burrow. We got Joe Mixon. Um, you know, maybe maybe go out and get Joe Sherbert and Joe Joe Tooney, and, and then we're we're going to be really really confusing for the people reporting on the team. <laughs> just a lot, you know, just like the days when they had um, I'm Mike Gunners in the early 2000s when they had all the Johnsons, just all the J's, mm. you know, just, just <laughs> yeah. confusing everyone. No, no, I do. I think I think I think honestly, Daniel Dan should be really excited. And I know they're pumped about the Joe Burrow situation and if they're going to draft him, which, again, 99.9% sure they're going to. Um, but I think the free agency talk, you know, what what, the, what they decide to do when it becomes the next few weeks, you know, who stays, who goes, who they resign, what big splashes do they make, and if they make any, and, and do they hit the second and third round of the NFL draft or even the fourth round, um, I think. You know, day two and three, that, that's where a lot of eyes are, what the team is able to do and, you know, really turn things around. Absolutely. Exciting times could be, uh, um, you know, going to be an exciting few months, see what happens next week as, as we get into free agency. Uh, and then obviously some good news coming in April in the draft. Uh, so uh, great, great time to be a Bengals fan. Uh, looking definitely looking forward to the 2020 season. So uh, thank you for, for joining me today. Uh, once again, Lindsay Patterson is my guest. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about where people can, can follow you and find your work? You can follow over on Twitter, um, LNDS Patterson, or on Cincinnati.com. We'll be up there. Our goal is to actually have a production meeting about it this week, um, trying to bring some new things for fans to the season, some exciting new additions. And, of course, we're working on the podcast to make that stronger and better in 2020 with, with some national guests um, and more from our guys over at Pro Football Focus. So all of that is coming in the next couple weeks. And as everybody knows, countdown to the draft. So a lot of good things up on Cincinnati.com. So if you want to check that out, go ahead. All right. Well, once, once again, thank you very much. Uh, so make sure you're checking out uh, everything over at Cincy Jungle and Cincy Jungle's YouTube page this week uh, going up is my 2020 cornerback uh, breakdown. So we talked about cornerback as a potential need. Uh, a lot of depth there could be uh, could be a target on day two, and I'll talk about some of the guys that uh, that I have ranked uh, in the top three rounds of the draft. 
so make sure you, you check that out over on the YouTube page and uh, all of the other uh, content over on Cincy Jungle. And we will see you right back here for Matt Minnick's Bengals Chalk Talk next Thursday. Yeah, we coming for with flowers. Yeah, we coming for with flowers. Yeah, we coming for with flowers. Yeah, we coming for with flowers.